Hola, hello, bienvenido, and welcome to the Clear Birth Podcast. I am your host, Annette Perel. Whether you're a first-time listener or a loyal returning guest, I want to extend a warm hola and hello to each and every one of you. For those of you who are new here, I encourage you to explore our previous podcast episodes. And to all of our returning listeners, muchas gracias. Thank you for joining us once again. Now, before we dive into today's episode, let's take care of a few housekeeping matters. Throughout the show, I'll be referring to our segments as trimesters, mirroring the stages of pregnancy. So we have the first trimester, the second trimester, and the third trimester, each representing a unique part of the discussion. Additionally, instead of side note, we'll be introducing Braxton Hicks. These moments will provide valuable information, share captivating stories, or offer deeper insights into the topics we're exploring. In this episode, I will share my journey to doula work, the pathway I took to become a doula and the challenges I faced becoming a doula, and how I sustained a 20-year career. It has not always been easy, and I hope sharing these challenges will help you avoid making the same missteps. My path to doula work was not linear, and I cannot wait to share my story with you. Now let's jump into the show. First trimester, say her name. Today, let's take a moment to honor the memory of Black women who have tragically lost their lives as a result of systemic neglect and medical racism. Startling statistics reveal that Black women face a maternal mortality rate that is three to four times higher than that of white women. And a significant portion of these fatalities can be attributed to biased practices and neglect. As we reflect on this, we turn our attention to the experiences of today's mother, Marlise Nicole Munoz. Marlise Nicole Munoz was a young woman who tragically met an untimely and controversial end. Born on May 28, 1989, she led a relatively ordinary life, working as a paramedic and enjoying time with her husband and their young son. However, her life took a devastating turn when she suffered a pulmonary embolism and was declared brain dead on November 26, 2013, at the age of 33 years old. What followed was a highly publicized legal battle, as Marlise's family fought for her wishes to be honored and her body to be removed from life support. Despite their efforts, it took two months for a court to finally rule in favor of her family, and Marlise was taken off life support on January 26, 2014, ending a deeply distressing and contentious chapter. The case of Marlise Nicole Munoz brought forth complex ethical and legal debates regarding end-of-life decisions and reproductive rights. The controversy stemmed from the fact that Marlise was 14 weeks pregnant at the time of her death. Texas law at the time stipulated that life-sustaining treatment could not be withdrawn from a pregnant patient, leading to a prolonged legal battle. 
The case sparked a broader conversation about a woman's right to determine her own medical treatment and highlighted the need for clear legislation in such sensitive cases. Marlise's untimely passing left a lasting impact on her loved one, as well as the larger public consciousness. Her family's tireless efforts to honor her wishes and gain control over medical decisions led to an important discussion surrounding end-of-life choices, reproductive rights, and the role of the law in such deeply personal matters. Although her life was cut short, Marlise Nicole Munoz's legacy continues to inspire dialogue and reflection, fostering a deeper understanding of the complexities surrounding life and death decisions. We will not forget you, Marlise Nicole Munoz. Second trimester. Before I talk about my journey into doula work, I'd like to give you a little backstory as to my fascination around birth and how I got into birth work and what my thoughts were growing up in regards to birth, babies, and pregnancy. So I have to start by saying I'm the youngest of three. My older sisters are 10 and six years older than me. And when I was 10 years old, my older sister Yvette had a book called Our Bodies, Ourselves. And I started reading this book and I was fascinated by women's bodies. The information that I was reading, understanding how the cycle of a period started, when a period started, the reasoning behind a period, I was riveted. I would ask my mother questions about the book like, so the eggs that they talk about that we have in our body, are they like the eggs in the refrigerator? And my mom, having three girls and being Panamanian, did not want to talk to her daughter about anything regarding anything below the neck. She would tell me things like, put that book down or don't worry about it. And I wasn't worried. I was genuinely curious. And so you know how people would ask, you know, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? That was such a hard question. And it felt like it needed an answer. And I would think about it forever. And when I came to this decision, I was just like, this book really helped fuel my imagination on what I could be. And my only thought behind it was, oh, I like babies. I like helping people with babies. So I should be an OBGYN. Actually, no. At first, I was going to be a pediatrician. That was the thought. I like babies. And then the more I thought about it, I was like, you're really not dealing a lot with babies. You're dealing more so with their parents. And I wanted to feel where I could deal with babies. And so I decided on OBGYN. And that was my thought process behind it. I'll be an OBGYN. Also, subsequently, I went and lived in Panama from the ages of 10 until 14. When I came back, I was a sophomore in high school. But when you come from another country, they automatically put you back a year. So I was a freshman. And being put back a year was hard. But was even harder for me was math. They taught it differently here. I didn't understand it. And my sisters were so far removed from school, so I could not get any help. And I went to an all-girls Catholic school on top of that. So there was very limited resources when it came to after-school tutoring. You would have to get that from the professor or the teacher. And this is the same teacher 
that is teaching it and I don't understand it when they were teaching it. So I went a couple of times, did terribly in math. My sophomore year, same thing. My sophomore year, my math teacher asked me, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I said, I want to be an OBGYN. And she said, you'll never be an OBGYN. You're horrible in math. I know. I know. I had the same reaction. Like, what? I went home and later on that day, my mom, when she came home from work, was in a bad mood. And I had assumed that she had spoken with my teachers because in Panama, if your teachers speak to you, they've also spoken to your parents. So in my mind, I was like, I have to figure out what I want to be because the OBDGYN thing is not going to happen for me. So what else do I like to do? And I was like, I like reading. I like writing. So I focused on English. Went a completely different direction. Graduated, started working relatively quickly. I moved out and got a job in hotel and hospitality. And just was working for many years, having long forgotten my OBGYN dreams. One day I got fired from my hotel and hospitality job. And I remember going to an OBGYN appointment and there was an article on doulas. And I, earlier that week, my best friend who had had two children by that time told me that I should become a doula. And I had never heard of it. And when she described what a doula was, she said, you know, you go with people when they go to have birth. And I just remember thinking that that's not fun. That doesn't sound like anything I want to do. So now I'm sitting in my OB's office, flipping through this magazine, reading this article that explained it way better than my friend did. And I thought about it and I said, yeah, this sounds like something I could do. But also hearing it twice in one week, that was clearly a sign, right? So I went home and called the number. It was for an organization called DONA, Doulas of North America. And they were having an intensive training in two weeks. And I signed up and I remember I had a reading list and all of these several books to get to read before I took the course. And in preparation and just reading, I just remember being fascinated with birth again, like I was when I was a child and I read that book. And so as I waited, I read about everything I possibly could get my hands on that dealing with babies and birth, their suggested reading, their required reading. I read it all and I became fascinated all over again. Braxton Hicks, becoming a doula is a fulfilling and rewarding journey that allows individuals to provide compassionate support to expectant families during the transformative journey of pregnancy, childbirth, and early parenthood. Doulas are crucial in offering physical, emotional, and informative assistance, ensuring a positive and empowering birth experience. Let's explore the path to becoming a doula, the different types of doulas, including birth, postpartum, death, full spectrum, and fertility doulas, and provide resources on where to obtain certifications. So my training day finally comes. And the first day I'm sitting in this woman's living room and the trainer comes in and she starts her presentation. She talks about her birth story. And I remember sitting there in the room with must have been about 15 to 20 women. 
and we all introduced ourselves, getting to know each other, but we were all there sharing this love that we had for birth. And we all came to birth work from different angles. Some women were in corporate. Some women had babies already. Some women did not, like myself. And it was just fascinating. And after the first day, I knew that this was my calling. This was truly what I wanted to do. Now, after the training, the training was three days. It was Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, all day. At the end of the training... The requirements for this organization was to attend three free births, get three referrals from each birth, one from the doctor, one from the nurse, and one from your patient regarding the services you provide as a doula. And you had to do this for free. So I'm a doula. Now what? So I contacted a few other doulas who had taken the training to see if they had any luck or any ideas on how to get their certification births. So four of us met up and we decided to team up and to figure out how to get these births. At the time, there was a birthing center on 14th Street, Union Square. It was the Elizabeth Seton Birthing Center. It is no longer there, unfortunately, and closed shortly after becoming a doula. But one of the doulas knew one of the midwives there. And the midwife said we could hold a talk and offer our services for free to get our first three clients. They would offer a meet the doula night. And that's how we would get to meet these clients and talk with them. So it was almost like speed dating for their clients and also for them because we were getting to know the midwives as well. And I got my first client I'll never forget. Now, I took a training. I know how to do a doula work. But now what? How do you do a prenatal? I had no idea. And so I spoke with a couple of other doulas and we came up with a form that we would have our clients fill out. And then we would just talk about any questions they had. So my first client, they lived in Inglewood, New Jersey. And when my client, when she went to go into labor, because her home was being renovated, the midwife had offered her the opportunity to come into the birthing center early, which is not something that happens. Generally, when you go into the birthing center, they wanted you to be at least out of the early stage of labor. And back then, early labor was considered zero to four centimeters. So she's contracting. She wasn't contracting for long. But she was contracting regularly, so they invited her in. I went and met them at the birthing center, and I remember walking through the doors of St. Luke's Roosevelt. It is no longer called that. It is now currently Mount Sinai West. But I remember walking through the doors, and I used to like this show called The Baby Story. And The Baby Story, I don't even know if the show still exists. If it does, I don't recommend it. It's It just causes so much stress when you watch it. It was always someone in labor in the hospital. The baby's heart rate goes down. Dun, dun, dun. Cut to commercial. And throughout the commercial break, you're, you're riveted. You're like, what's happening? What's going to happen to the baby? Only for them to come back and everything to be okay. And the show was about 30 minutes long. And I remember thinking, this isn't going to be 30 minutes. 
This is the long haul. Most first-time labors are 24 to 72 hours long. And my client's labor lasted 28 and a half hours. And when I went home after that birth, I was the most exhausted I had ever been. I slept for 12 hours. And when I woke up, I remember going, I want to do that again. And when I did my postpartum visit, my client, she gave me a glowing review. And she also gave me an envelope with a check as a thank you. And I remember taking the ferry back and reading her thank you note and reading her review and just thinking how fortunate I was to find this work that I found so rewarding. And when I looked at the check, it was for $200. And I remember being so excited until I did the math. 28 and a half hours and $200. You can do that math. I was like, this is going to be a lot of work. Shortly after that, I went into partnership with another doula and we started partnering on births together. Braxton Hicks, understanding the role of a doula. A doula is a trained professional who provides continuous support to individuals and their families during significant life events. The primary goal of a doula is to offer various assistance, including emotional encouragement, physical comfort measures, and informational guidance. By providing a safe and supporting environment, doulas empower individuals to make informed decisions and advocate for their preferences. In my training, I decided on a path of birth doula. And four years later, I decided to become a postpartum doula as well and took that postpartum certification, which was slightly longer. That certification was a week and it was with the same trainer that I had done my birth certification with. So it was very familiar. And it was with a smaller group of women this time, but all still passionate. Some of us were birth doulas also looking to pursue postpartum, but for the most part, there were some who solely just wanted to do postpartum. And my postpartum doula training was even more fascinating than my birth doula training, if you could imagine. The idea that supporting women postpartum really helps them to have a better experience. It also helps them to be better moms if they're fully rested or they have someone there who encourages them when they're breastfeeding, also just the support. And I thought that was a perfect extension of the work that I do to be able to support my clients prenatally and postpartum. That continuum of care to me felt right. And I remember one of my first postpartum experiences of working with a couple. And at that time, the postpartum services that I used to offer included light housekeeping, you know, I'll clean the tub or vacuum, do the baby's laundry, run a few errands. I've subsequently changed my practice quite a bit and I don't offer a lot of those services anymore. But I just remember how I would come in for four hours and the mom would hand me her baby and she would either go rest. I know one time I had offered her a massage And she slept for the entire four hours while I held the baby and I prepared a light meal for them. And I remember just thinking, this is what community was like. We all used to live 
in close-knit family units, right? Well, they would be your grandparents, your aunts, and would live nearby with your cousins, your mom and dad. Everyone lived in walking distance or in, you know, a short bus ride or a short car ride from each other. And your family, in essence, your aunts and your cousins, because we were all close-knit and in community, had seen many births and knew how to help and support moms throughout births. And growing up in Panama, I saw this a lot with my grandmother and how she talked about her experiences and just the experience of supporting new moms. I'll have to tell you one day about the time I held the baby as my grandmother pierced the baby's ears with a hot needle and a cork. Very, I would not recommend. In my pathway to becoming a doula, I had a friend who was also interested in doula work and where this is a calling for some people and some people it is a pathway to something, to another experience. I will say that you have to know who you are as a person. And this friend particularly loved to sleep. You could call her and she would not hear the phone ring. And she also didn't like the sight of blood. She felt faint and woozy at the sight of blood. So when she was like, maybe I should become a doula, I had to be honest with her and say, this work is not for you. You get called in the middle of the night. You get called at all hours and you have to be willing to drop what you're doing to go and support people. If you can't hear your phone in the middle of the night, not very helpful when your clients call you. It's also not helpful if you're passing out at the sight of blood in the hospital when you're supporting your clients. Braxton Hicks, the type of doulas. So we have birth doulas, as I mentioned. Birth doulas focus on providing support during pregnancy, labor, and delivery. They offer emotional support, help with pain management techniques, provide comfort measures, and assist with communication between the client and their medical team. Birth doulas aim to create a calm and nurturing environment while respecting the family's birth plan. Two, postpartum doulas. Postpartum doulas support families in the days, weeks, or months following childbirth. They assist with newborn care, offer guidance on breastfeeding and infant feeding, providing emotional support, and help with household tasks. Postpartum doulas play a vital role in the transition to parenthood, offering reassurance and expertise during this transformative period. And they're also a bridge to community to help moms find new parent groups and other new moms in their neighborhood to kind of foster that community. I knew a doula who was pregnant with twin girls. And we were all excited for her. But shortly after, she miscarried. She had a doula help her with her miscarriage. She had a miscarriage in completion in the hospital, meaning she went to the hospital to complete the miscarriage. The miscarriages of her twins. And even though it was a difficult period, she felt fully supported in her role as a mom giving birth to her babies, knowing that they were not alive. Her doula supported her in the best way possible. She spoke openly about her feelings about it. And the way she expressed her love and gratitude 
for every second of her pregnancy, for every second of the support of her friends and community. And she talked about giving birth to her baby girls. And it was, it was spoken about in a way that I had never heard anyone speak about. That even though this was an incredibly sad event, she felt so supported and empowered to give birth to her babies in the way that she wanted. And her doula supported her through this process. And shortly after that, she had a series of clients who she had to support in the same manner of helping them give birth to their babies who had passed. And as much as I feel like as a doula, I feel I would have been torn to pieces to be able to support people in that manner or to have gone through that in that public manner. She was transformed and somehow called, like the universe knew, called, and several of her clients had the same thing happening. And she was able to step in and support them in a way that she was supported. That's incredibly empowering and incredibly uplifting as a new way to think about life and death in the circle. And even though these families' babies have passed away, they still had to go through labor and go through the process of delivering their children, but were able to do it with someone who not only experienced it twice, but knew viscerally what they were going through and was able to support them through that process. That was a beautiful thing. Braxton Hicks, three, death doulas. Death doulas, also known as end-of-life doulas or palliative care doulas, provide support to individuals and their families during the dying process. They offer emotional comfort, assistance with advanced care planning, help navigating the medical decisions, and provide companionship. Deaf doulas strive to ensure a peaceful and dignified transition for the individuals and their loved one. Now, there are many roles as a doula, but this, to me, has always been something that has been so special to be able to support people in that way. And I take my hats off to doulas who do that. In a previous podcast episode, I had a deaf doula and she talked about the process and I could see how incredibly helpful that was to the families during this transition and how that transformed their death experiences with the loved one passing and not having to take on all of the stress that comes with making decisions to have someone who is able to be on the outside and still provide care, but help guide you and your family through that process. That is a new level of an angel, in my opinion. Four, full spectrum doulas. Full spectrum doulas provide support across the reproductive spectrum including birth, miscarriage, abortion, adoption, surrogacy, and fertility journeys. They offer emotional support and provide information and resources and help individuals navigate their choices and experience with compassion and non-judgmental care. I have to say, through my own IVF journey, even though I miscarried many times and was not considered what people would consider successful. I really wish I would have hired a full spectrum doula to support me through that process because my own journey through that, which I will talk more about it in upcoming episodes, it would have been nice to have someone else. Besides, I had a community 
who supported me, but to have someone show up for appointments, because with IVF, there are a lot of appointments. There's a lot of blood draw. There's a lot of medications. Just to have someone to go through that with would have been helpful. Five, fertility doulas. Fertility doulas specialize in providing emotional support and guidance to individuals and couples who are trying to conceive. They offer assistance with facility awareness, reproductive health education, and emotional support throughout the fertility journey, including fertility treatments and assisted reproductive technologies. Another godsend. I have to say, when it comes to certifications, it's not necessary to get certified through an organization, especially if that is a barrier to entry, because financially the cost can be a lot. I do believe educating yourself is imperative in this work. Read as many books as possible, articles, listen to podcast episodes, speak to other doulas, find community, build your practice, make relationships with childbirth educators, doctors, nurses. This is how you continue to grow in your practice. I've learned a lot of valuable lessons like the one that helped me when I was in a situation where I was headed to support a client with her husband. My client had gone into labor, and when I was looking to join them, it took me a little while to find a cab. And as I was on my way, I got a call from her husband, and he said he saw hair. Now, in my mind, I was thinking, this man does not know what he's talking about. There's no possible way he could have seen hair. So I told him to call his provider and I told him that I was on my way and we had several options. The options were to call 911. I could try to see if I could call a midwife friend. It it sounded like the baby was coming quickly. I was close by. I was able to call a midwife friend who I knew and As I'm speaking to her, I'm letting her know what's happening. I tell her where the clients live. I let her know where I am. And she said that she could make it, but I would probably get there before she would. And she told me, you're going to catch this baby. And I was panicked. And I told her, there's no way I'm catching this baby. Please come and catch this baby. And she told me that she was on her way. She would stay on the phone with me. But because of my proximity, I would get there before her. And it sounded like the baby was going to be delivered shortly after she arrived. So she stayed on the phone with me. When I got to their house, the husband had left the door open and had a note on the door that said, come up to the bedroom. I ran up the stairs and there was my client on all fours. And with each contraction, I saw more and more of the baby's head. I told the midwife what I was seeing. She told me to put on gloves, something I always carry in my bag, just in case. And she talked me through delivering the baby. And really, it's not delivering the baby. It's catching, because all I did was place my hands there. And as soon as the baby was born and placed into my hands, I heard the midwife coming up the stairs behind me. And I remember gently placing the baby on the, he- on the bed and stepping away so the midwife can come in and do what she needed to do to make sure that the baby was okay, all of her assessments. I remember being incredibly overwhelmed and excited at what just happened, and also incredibly fearful of, oh my God, I just caught a baby. 
It was an exhilarating experience, but none of that would have been possible had I not, probably a year prior, heard a story from another doula who was laboring at home with her clients and the labor was going quickly and she knew there was not enough time to make it to the hospital. And she happened to call a midwife that she knew. And it just so happened coincidentally that the midwife was driving down the same block that they were on. So she told her what was happening. The midwife came upstairs, helped the client deliver her baby and make sure that the mom was okay. The mom did not have to go to the hospital. She helped her fill out forms as far as the birth certificate. And if I did not hear that story years prior, I would not have known or thought to call a midwife. My first thought would have been to call an EMT. And now where EMTs are trained in all types of scenarios when it comes to support, birth is one of the least that they see a lot, but they know very little about and are very technical when it comes to birth. I'll tell you another story at another time um, as to <laughs> there was another time a client had a fast labor, but I'll tell you that in an upcoming episode. Braxton Hicks. There are tons of resources for doula certifications. One is I got my certification through Donor International, which is birth and postpartum doulas. When I took my certification over 20 years ago, that was the only organization that I knew of. But luckily today, there are so many more. Donor International is a globally recognized organization that provides training and certifications for birth and postpartum doulas. Their website offers a directory of certified doulas as well as information on training and programs. Two, International End-of-Life Doula Association, Death Doulas. The International End-of-Life Doulas Association, ENELDA, offers comprehensive training and certifications for deaf doulas. Their website provides information on training programs, resources, and directory of certified death doulas. Three, Full Spectrum Doula Network. The Full Spectrum Doula Network, FSDN, is a resource for individuals seeking full spectrum doula support. While they do not offer certification themselves, their website provides a directory of full spectrum doulas and a program on resources where to find doula trainings. Four, Association of Professional Piercers, Fertility Doulas. The Association of Professional Piercers, A. PP offers a fertility doula training program for those interested in supporting individuals and couples on their fertility journey. Their website provides information on their training programs and resources for fertility doulas. Becoming a doula offers a unique opportunity to provide invaluable support to individuals and families during significant life events. By understanding the role of different types of doulas, including birth, postpartum, death, full spectrum, and fertility doulas, individuals can choose a path that aligns with their passion and values. Certification organizations such as Dona International, Inelda, the Full Spectrum Doula Network, and the Association of Professional Piercers offers training programs and resources for inspiring doulas. 
Throughout their expertise, compassion, and advocacy, doulas contribute to creating positive and empowering experiences, ensuring the physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being of those they serve. There are also Black-owned doula certification organizations. One, the International Center for Traditional Childbearing, ICTC is a Black-owned organization that focuses on training and certifying Black doulas and midwives. They are committed to reducing health disparities in Black communities and promoting culturally appropriate care. ICTC offers a comprehensive doula training program and certification process. 2. National Black Doulas Association, NBDA NBDA is a national organization that promotes the advancement and recognition of Black doulas. They provide resources, support, and a platform for Black doulas to connect and network. The NBDA also offers doula trainings and certification programs. I cannot tell you how important it is to find a community and find your community. So organizations like this are super helpful to help connect you to other doulas. Reach out to people, have coffee, lunch, get to know doulas. If you can partner with a couple of doulas, that will help you as well in your career. Now, there are fees associated with doula trainings and certifications. The fees associated with doula trainings and certifications can vary depending on the organization and the level of training desired. It is essential to research and compare different programs to find one that aligns with personal values and budget. Typically, fees covering training materials, workshops, or classes, mentorships, and certification. While specific fee information may vary, the average cost of a doula training program ranges from $500 to $2,500. Additional costs may include books, travel expenses if attending an in-person training, and ongoing membership fees for professional organizations. The path to becoming a doula. 1. Research and education. Begin by researching different doula certification organizations, their training programs, and their philosophies of care. Look for organizations that resonate with personal values and goals. 2. Doula Trainings Enroll in a reputable doula training program. These programs offer consistency of workshops, online courses, and hands-on training to equip aspiring doulas with the necessary skills and knowledge. Certifications After completing the training program, fulfill the certification requirements set by the organization. These may include attending births, building a portfolio, and obtaining recommendation from clients or mentors. Braxton Hicks. It is not always necessary to have certification to become a doula. Taking a training is more than enough to start doing this work, especially if fulfilling a certification requirement is a barrier to entry. It's not necessary to be certified. A training is more than enough. Four, professional development. Engage in ongoing professional development by attending conferences, workshops, and continuing education opportunities. Join professional organizations to connect with other doulas and stay updated on industry standards. There are a few things I wish I knew before I started my doula career. This is a business, and you are the business of you as a doula. 
and selling yourself or pitching yourself is something that you do constantly with clients. It's a skill that you develop. In the beginning, I was awful at it. I mean, my doula partner would do a lot of the work and then it became we took parts of the conversation. So we decided she would take one part and then I would take the second part. And with that conversation and having more conversations with people, I realized selling is not really selling. It's just talking. It's having a conversation about what you enjoy about what you do and how you can help support the people who are in front of you to the best of your abilities. So when you are talking about having a conversation and building a relationship, it feels less strenuous than a sales pitch. I have to get you to hire me. And also realizing too, energetically, you have to get comfortable having conversations about yourself more frequently. And that will help you to get better and grow as opposed to thinking about it as a sales pitch. I have to get you to buy me every time or contract with me every time. I speak with someone. No, there are some questions that you should ask yourself as well. Just because I can doula everyone, it does not mean that I am the right doula for everyone. And even though that interview process is the clients deciding whether or not they would like to work with me, I often have to realize that I have to check in and see if these are clients that I feel that I can support. And if at any point that answer is no, I honor that and I listen to it because it is important to do this work with people who value you and you feel you can help through this process. If you feel that you won't be valued throughout this process with a particular couple, don't think about the money. Think about the experience and that will help you to grow and develop your skill set as a doula but also a good understanding of how you can support and who you can support. Who is your ideal client? What do they look like? Where do they live? Think about things like this. These are things that no one told me. And also because it's a business, finances, no one prepares you for the months where you may not get a client. So I always say it's imperative to save when you can for those days, because as a freelancer, You get referrals from other doulas, doctors, past clients, but you may not always get hired and there might be a month that you want to take off. So you have to prepare for that and save for that. So understanding how much money you have to bring in every month to be able to cover your expenses and then to cover a little extra is also a good measure. I worked for many years as a doula without any time off intentional time off, meaning I didn't plan vacations. I just worked for like three years straight as a doula. Now there were times where I had months where I did not have a client. It wasn't consecutive, but I might've had one client instead of four clients. And on those months, because I had saved previously, I'm able to do well on those months and not stress. So it's one thing to consider when you start doing this work. Also spending time with birth. That was one of the things that because I was working so frequently when I first started, it was hard to sit down and process each birth, what I experienced, what I felt, what I went through, what my clients went through, what I saw that was unjust. You need time to process. You need downtime as a doula. And those are a few of the things that I wish I knew before I started this work. 
I hope you find those very helpful. Third trimester, a little birth inspo. Birth is a natural process that should be honored and respected. As OBGYNs, it is our job to provide evidence-based care that supports the physiology of birth. Dr. Joy Cooper, Black OBGYN and founder of the Black Women's Health Alliance. Postpartum. Becoming a doula offers a unique opportunity to provide invaluable support to expectant families with one of the most transformative times in their life. By understanding the role of a doula, exploring the different types of doulas, considering Black-owned doula certification organizations, and researching associated fees, individuals can embark on a fulfilling journey as a doula. Throughout their expertise, compassion, and advocacy, doulas contribute to creating positive and empowering birth experiences, ensuring physical and emotional well-being of birthing individuals and their families. Thank you for listening. I would appreciate it if you would leave a review and rate the podcast five stars. It helps other people find the podcast. Please check the show notes for resources from this episode. I love to hear from you and will read your review on a future episode. If you have any questions or comments, you can also send me an email at clearbirthpodcast at gmail.com. Happy birthing! This podcast was edited and managed by Wordy Productions.